0: Welcome to another edition of ATL Prime Sports. I'm your host, J.J. Jerjevich. Joining me this evening is the one, the only, Todd TC Quarter on the other side of Atlanta. And, of course, our fabulous producer, Wayne Ridenauer, in wonderful Memphis, Tennessee. You can find us all at ATL Prime Sports on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and, of course, now on Apple and Spotify. And if you like the content, please give us a thumbs up ring the youtube bell give us those notifications and uh, we'll keep you posted on what we're doing here personal twitter at JJ, get You one at rwy junior for wayne and at quarter Todd that c o r d e r t o d d for tc tide quarter wayne how you doing tonight
1: man well i'm doing pretty good but um you know something happened this weekend that uh, kind of rubbed me a little bit wrong uh, I had mentioned it to you, and it's uh, some of the things, the antics, uh, it's somewhat, uh, I would say, disgusting stuff that went on between Alabama State and Jackson State. But uh, hopefully, the you know administration of the universities will get together and work out some kind of. Uh, Apology or moving forward statement. I don't know, but uh, I, I just think I, I expect more from colleges and especially the college athletics when they're on TV now. I mean, the swack is on TV. I can't believe it.
0: Yeah, I, I, the it, it, the incident you're referring to is the Deion Sanders, Alabama state. Uh, it all stemmed from Alabama state saying Deion Sanders wandered in their pregame private practice and uh Dion says it stems from players of Alabama State, coaches uh, yelling at coaches, and it's just all around sounds bad on all sides. Uh, I agree with you. TC, how you doing this evening?
2: Fantastic, fantastic. Well, we've got uh, six top 25 matchups in college football this week, and uh,
0: who would have thunk that this late in the season? You're right about that. It's nice to see. It's good to have conference matchups like this. I'm doing well, but not better than Georgia Tech football. Winners of two straight. It's the first time that's happened since the Paul Johnson and the triple triple option error. I guess you could say the triple Johnson error. <laughs> but they got a bye week this week before hosting Virginia on Thursday night national TV. What's on tap for today's show? College football playoff contenders and pretenders. The Braves lose game one, tie it up in game two. We'll talk about the NLDS and more postseason baseball. Our NFL quick hits, and, a pl- And of course, the all but famous pick six. Let's go ahead and kick this thing off. I do want to shout out, no Dave Cohen today. Uh, Panthers did move to two and four with a 41-33 win over their rival, Georgia Southern. So, again, it is state, not Southern Hashtag it. Let's kick this thing off. NFL quick hits. Monday night's 30 to 29 thriller ended week five of NFL play. Let's talk some major storylines from the first handful of weeks here. Uh, we got to talk about the rough and the passer calls. I want to hear your opinion on this, TC. The rough and the passer call, your opinion on how it should be called. Go
2: might as well put a mattress under these quarterbacks and let them fall safely on it. I, I mean, I, seriously, this is, this is really, really bad. Um, I mean, guys are just getting tackled routinely in the so-called tackle box, and if they land too hard or if they you know, like, turn them around or twist them a little, it's automatically a pass interference penalty, and it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, it could be Tom Brady or, or it could be a non-star quarterback in the NFL. Uh, you, you know, we, I've mentioned that Brady's only drawn two, um, two uh, roughing the passer penalties uh, this year against him where you've had other quarterbacks have four or five. So I, to me, it, it, they just need to go back to common sense. It, this is all common sense, this is not complicated here. Um, obviously, if they're hit in the head, uh, uh, you hit them up high towards the neck, the head area, uh, or if they slide and then you hit them late, then obviously you're going to have to call those. But this stuff in the pocket where they just tackle them, ordinary, it, it just gotta it's just it's, it, got to stop. It's lunacy, it's common sense, and, and it's all stems from the Tua situation, it does the officials now know they're being monitored real carefully. So they're going to err on the side of caution. Unfortunately, they moved it to a point where it's become ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, go back and forth with you. We'll throw it to Wayne. I want to hear his opinion too. I, I think they're going to have to figure out a common thread on how to call this. The consistency is what bothers me the most. The announcers in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers-Atlanta Falcons game, where this all stemmed from, and of course, you mentioned from Tua the week prior, but the first roughing the pastor call over the weekend that sparked uh, flares was the one against Tom Brady. And that call could have changed the outcome of the game. You, Todd, and I, Todd, you and I had talked about it off air. We agreed we're never going to say a call impacts the game completely. Except for maybe the Saints and the Rams in the NFC Championship a couple years ago. That's a different story. But this is a quarterback who has the football in the pocket and gets called for, uh, 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 Grady Jarrett gets called for roughing the passer, bringing Tom Brady to the ground. I agree with you. I think if it's way high towards the head or way low towards the knees, you're good. But if it's in that hitting zone or the target zone, you want to call it, you bring the player to the ground. You cannot call rough in the pasture like that. Defensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs also called for a rough in the pasture call in Monday Night Football. Uh, the Raiders Chiefs 39 30-29 thriller. I really think that you just have to learn. Hey, you got to go by looks and I know some of them are going to look in malicious, but that's football and you got to keep going. You got to play the game. And if it's inside the pocket and the defensive lineman brings them down within the rules, you can't call roughing the passer. Wayne, what is your thoughts?
1: Well, I'm going to say, first of all, pocket schmocket. Let's just drop that entirely. Uh, I would say that. my way of thinking of rushing roughing the pass, the way it should be is head and knees off limits. They should actually be off limits for any type of tackle. Uh, the second part is if the passer, the quarterback, has the ball in his hand and he gets tackled, not roughing the passer. If he does not have the ball in his hand and he gets tackled, that's roughing the passer. And that's it. That's all it should be.
0: Yeah, sometimes it is as simple as that. I, I'll, I'll make this final point. You know, someone on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, they had a blue check mark. They made a funny comment. You know, Chris Jones is probably the first defender to ever get called for roughing the passer when he had the football. And that was on Derek Carr in Monday Night Football. He strip sacked him, had the football, and they still called roughing the passer. Todd, your final thoughts on uh, the roughing the passer calls over the weekend and uh, your final uh, opinion on that?
2: Well, I, what Wayne said, I mean, it, it can't be. I mean, it just can't be. If the quarterback obviously doesn't have the ball in his hands and they hit him late, it's a late hit. So they're just going to call late hit slash rough in the passer. But if, if the quarterback is hit towards the head and he's got the football and you hit him up from the neck up or from the shoulders,
0: atrocious all around I mentioned it earlier NFL referees you have to get consistent on the call let's move to other storylines we were talking about the Falcons bucks game let's talk about these Falcons real quick they're two and three going into a home game against San Francisco this weekend we'll pick that in the pick six Uh, look the Falcons have been pleasant surprises around the NFL uh, they are able to run the football, they still struggle stopping people uh, from scoring a lot. They're still averaging over around 24 points a game they're giving up. Uh, so if they get a little better on the defensive side of the ball, maybe they can make a little bit more pleasant surprises. Uh, TC, your thoughts on the Falcons' uh, first handful of games here?
2: Well, it's a great improvement from a year ago, especially the offensive line. I. It's remarkable how much they've improved running the football. They've ran the ball for over 800-plus this season. Unfortunately, they're playing a team in San Francisco where this is one heck of a defense. They stop the run. Number two, they run the football really well, which is going to be a real test for the uh, Falcons' defense. And and number three, they don't turn the ball over. And, you know, to beat a team like San Francisco – you're, you're going to have to get them to turn it over. And, and, and it's funny that Jimmy. nobody wanted Jimmy G at quarterback, but now he fits in with this offense and this team, and they run it efficiently. This is a tough matchup for Atlanta. What Frisco's a five-and-a-half-point favorite. We'll talk about that later. Um, it's a tough matchup for Atlanta. Without Patterson, it becomes that much tougher. You're talking a guy who's – who's, uh, you know, 350-plus yards rushing on the year. And as a team, you have about eight, 8 and 20. So, you know, that's a big chunk of your offense out. And with Marcus Mariota, who, you know, has turned the ball over, and a defense that gets teams to turn the ball over, a la Matt Stafford, uh, it's, it's going to be a tough matchup for Atlanta
0: you mentioned San Francisco's defense is stopping the run. They are one of the best in the NFL right now, only giving up a little over 71 yards a game, pass yards just over 200 at 206. So, yeah, Atlanta's going to struggle to move the football, but if they can, which they've been able to do on other elite defenses like Los Angeles and Aaron Donald, who uh, just came off a Super Bowl championship. So I, I think if the Falcons are able to get some first downs, extend drives, and uh, keep Garoppolo off the field and and Kittle and Debo Samuel, all those offensive weapons that Kyle Shanahan has. I think they got a good shot. Wayne, what say you about this Atlanta Falcons game? Don't give away your pick unless you want to.
1: (laughs) Well, the only thing I'm going to say is a little bit of a wisecrack. Anytime I hear the the name Garoppolo, uh, I instantly think of a James Bond villain. That sounds like a James Bond villain name, Mr. Garoppolo.
0: (laughs) All right guys, let's go quickly around the NFL, some other uh, quick storylines. I'll just start off with one. I think it's gotta be mentioned. Devontae Adams, wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders was charged with assault, misdemeanor assault Wednesday morning. Uh, He shoved a credentialed worker after a Monday night football loss to the Chiefs. The man uh, was treated locally for a mild concussion and other uh, symptoms. What do you guys think of this incident? It's pretty interesting. Uh, he was charged in Kansas
1: city. Yeah. Well, my opinion on it is uh, it should have never happened. If you've got no business uh, pestering, bothering, touching anybody. Uh, and that goes both ways. Uh, the officials are not, you know, the people that work at the stadium fans should not interact with the players in a physical way. And the players really shouldn't be interacting with the fans unless it's some sort of uh, thing where they're welcome to do it. Uh, at a post game type of thing or a pre game thing, but uh, during during the game or shortly after the game when uh, emotions are high, I just think it should be an off limits type of deal.
0: Yeah, I, what happened is the cameraman was running away or to his spot, I should say. Devonte Adams is running to the visitors' locker room at Arrowhead Stadium, and he said uh, he apologized afterwards. He said he was at fault and. Personally, uh, should he have done it? No. But in the moment, guys running towards him, he's running off the field, uh, frustration, um, kind of lack of awareness by Devontae Adams' part. Do I think it's a big of a deal as as the gentleman is making it seem? No. But if he was injured, he does have the right to press charges. So you can't, either way, you can't really do anything about it. But uh, my opinion on it is I wish the guy wouldn't have pressed charges because you understand Devontae Adams said he's sorry and he probably didn't know who it was, especially with all these people coming onto the field recently. You never know who's who. So I, I, I don't I don't, either dis, I don't either agree or disagree with it. I'm just uh, glad uh, nobody was hurt severely, and uh, hopefully Devontae Adams will learn from this. TC, what's your thoughts on that
2: situation? This is pretty simple about issues like this. It's about power. Devontae Adams, he shoved a, a powerless person On the field that night, because honestly, he just could. And you know, it's almost like being rough to like a waiter or a waitress when you don't have your meal on time, or you feel that they didn't get everything you wanted in the order. Uh, It really does say a lot about you as a person doing this. You did it right in front of national TV. There's just no doubt. Now, I also think. Situation. All you got to do is have Adams apologize, donate to the guy's charity, and and move on and end it. Do not get the law involved. The law has a lot more important things to do uh, than something like this. This to me is it doesn't make any sense at all to get the law involved unless the individual was seriously hurt, and then you have a whole a whole another situation altogether.
0: Uh, guys, any final thoughts around the league in the NFL? Uh, Wayne TC, that you want get, to get off your chest real quick?
1: <laughs> no, I'm
0: good. Everybody's good. All right, let's move on to college football. Pretenders, me. we're about the halfway point through the season. Um, let's talk contenders, pretenders. TC, I'll throw it to you, man. Give me uh, your contenders first. And uh, maybe someone outside the top 10 that may make their way up into the college football playoffs at the end of the season.
2: State and there I mean these are your guys that are right there in it Um, somewhere someone from this group will most will make three of the teams from this group will most likely make He was undefeated. I, I, I know mathematically if they were on the table, they would be in. But I don't see it. But then again... Can win. We're having a different conversation about Alabama, Tennessee, and then Georgia. Who's going to play Tennessee? So there's a lot of games to be played left, and there's a lot of paths that are unknown. But those are the teams that have a shot.
0: You mentioned uh, the, the 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 top contenders. I pretty much agree with you. I think your Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama is your tier one contenders. Clemson, Michigan, Tennessee or your Tier 2. Throw USC, Oklahoma State in there. I'm right there with you. Uh, uh, I am going to throw Syracuse in there because Syracuse uh, does control their own destiny. If they're able to pull out a regular season undefeated, they will be in the ACC championship game. And it's that simple. And if you win that Power 5 conference, we all know you're going to get in. Their biggest test is coming up in two weeks uh really two consecutive huge tests they host NC State this week and they go to Death Valley Memorial Stadium Clemson South Carolina the next week Notre Dame the next at Pitt so they got the meat of their schedule coming up but if they hold their if they hold ground they will be there that's my team outside of the top 10 that you can look for to maybe get into the college football playoff other than that I see a lot of these teams coming back down to earth I do see Oregon, uh, in USC, Utah still making a run. We'll see. Utah's got a big test this weekend against uh, UCLA, I believe it is. Uh, or excuse me, um, let's see, uh, USC, excuse me. Yes, thank you. We we picked that one last week so they, they can right the ship in the in the Pac 12 and get back in the in the race right there. So You know, lots can happen. I think we'll see where Tennessee stands this weekend, especially if Bryce Young plays. TC, you you mentioned them all on the head there. Those are your contenders. Wayne, give me uh, someone we may have not mentioned that you think might make their way back in or your comments on a contender.
1: Well, uh, we're just doing contenders right now then, right? Right now, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, my, my two contenders are going to be outside the uh, limelight, I guess, the ones that are going unnoticed. Uh, they're under both undefeated, and I think they're going to end up being contenders. And that's going to be uh, Oklahoma State and Ole Miss.
0: I like it. Ole Miss can control their own destiny, too. They are one of the few teams that has back-to-back wins in their history against Alabama. So they uh they'll they'll be I think that game is actually not this weekend but next weekend if I'm not mistaken. Let me double check. Uh no it's it's, it's in a couple of weeks. It is in November. So uh two weeks is at LSU for Ole Miss. But they, they got the meat of their schedule coming up. Let's go over to the pretenders. Um look again I can't consider Tennessee a tier one contender until after this weekend. They've lost 15 straight to Alabama until they get over that horse and Georgia's uh, uh, Georgia's Mountain in the SEC East. I can't consider them a contender, uh, tier one level. So they may be a pretender in a couple weeks. We'll see. They got their two two uh, toughest remaining games, and uh, I think Mississippi State is a pretender. I think they'll 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 fall back down to earth here in the next couple of weeks as well, and. Uh, we we shall see. But those are my two pretenders right now because I still think Oregon, TCU, these guys at 6 and 0, 5 0, and you're unbeaten, you still got a shot. TC, you're pretenders.
2: Well, Kentucky's still a basketball school. John Calpauer is right about that one. They've lost twice. <laughs> so, um, you, you know, Texas, obviously, they've lost twice. They're out, but it would be different if their starting quarterback was in there. You figure Quinn Ewers was quarterback, and they'd be 6-0 and right now, but they're not. Uh, you mentioned Utah. They, they have no chance of the title. They've lost two games. Um, Mississippi State, uh, look, they've lost one. They've had their mulligan. They're going to have to run the table. Who knows? The SEC West is the best division in college football, and I, I'll say it, and I'll say it, and I'll say it again. Nobody, nobody is getting through there undefeated. Alabama right now is very fortunate they don't have two losses. Uh, you, you know, last week they did a great job of weathering the, the storm, whether, you know, Young was going to play quarterback and it and, and, and looks like he's going to play this week. But uh, that Tennessee game, that is the biggest game at the University of Tennessee in a long time. That place is going to be nuts. You're going to see the stadium shake. And the way Tennessee played against LSU last week, they looked really good. That's going to be a really good game between Tennessee and Alabama, and that is going to shake up the SEC. Wayne,
0: your pretenders real quick, and we'll move on to the Atlanta Braves and postseason baseball. All right. Well,
1: my uh, pretenders are actually coming from uh, two also undefeated teams who are in the middle of the pack, but I think they're fixing to drop quickly, and that's going to be Penn State
0: and TCU. I like it. I like it. You know, I mentioned TCU. If you're undefeated at this point, you're still a contender. But uh, like I said, the meat the, of these people's uh, these team schedules, these people, these team schedules coming up will really separate. And it's almost like it's Separation Saturday this week.
2: Uh, yes, we have the support, third Saturday JJ. in
0: October. Go ahead, TC.
2: No, it's a good word. I wanted to compliment you saying it is Separation Saturday. Uh, There's no doubt certain races are going to separate itself. Wayne mentioned Penn State. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, there was a fact in here about Penn State, Michigan. The last two teams, gosh, I saw it. Um, The last time that Penn State and Michigan were like this, and they went to Michigan, it it was, I want to say it was in 94, and Penn State went undefeated, and they beat Michigan. And won the title. This is simple. I'm not saying history is going to repeat itself, but Penn State has a good shot of beating Michigan um, this Saturday. Uh, you know, as they say in Western PA, Yens can throw the football with that quarterback, Clifford, and Yens can run
0: Let's move on to the Atlanta Braves, who fell short in game one, seven to six, but turned around. one game two Wednesday night, three to nothing. Even the NLDS up. Let's talk Braves, Phillies, and the rest of the Major League Baseball's divisional round. Look, the Braves head to Philly for games three and four with the series even. Huge win Wednesday night for the Atlanta Braves. Zach Wheeler. Kyle Wright, the Major League Baseball League leader in wins, three more than any other player, did his part, outdueled the local Atlanta native, Zach Wheeler, uh, pitched uh, six innings, two hits, really competitive pitches, more strikes than balls. I think he threw 53 strikes out of his 80 something pitches. Really dominant performance there. Um, I think a key to the Braves' success last night's the ability to shut Kyle Schwarber down. Uh, the Cardinals did it, too, for that matter, T.C., but uh, they, they have shut down the Phil's leadoff hitter um, and National League home run leader 0-for-16 thus far in the postseason. Your thoughts on the Braves, and uh, we'll go back and forth here for a little bit.
2: Look, Schwarber is either a hit or miss hitter. What, he had 40-something homers and 90-something RBIs, and by the way, he hit about 210. That's today's yeah. baseball. So eight out of 10 times, he's going to grab some bench and sit down. That's just <laughs> that simple. His on-base percentage is not really high
0: it's either. not that high, no. No, no it's, it's not, not that high for the so hitter.
2: in terms of Schwarber, if I can shift subjects, I can't say enough about Kyle Wright. This kid pitched in 2020, got his stardom, did well, pitched last year in the playoffs, uh, out of the bullpen, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. did well.
0: To piggyback to piggyback off that point real quick, TC, he came in in Game 4 of the World Series and gave you some great relief performance. Yeah. Uh, so that, That's really where it turned around, uh, and I'll throw it back. No, hey, I'm glad you said it. Look,
2: in 2020, he kind of came out of his shell. He had the opportunity against the Dodgers and the NLCS out in Texas, and you were there. And. You got you know you got to see you know that performance but um to go from where he is now he said I like this I love what he said in the papers uh, I knew I wasn't very far away there's a very fine line to where I'm at now and where I was and based on my ability and the confidence that I have in myself I knew this year I was going to take off with my curveball which is his best the way and his fastball is right really close behind because you know he can bring the gas but this kid went from that to winning 21 games in this era of the relief pitcher
0: Look, the Braves saved their season in the bottom of the sixth Wednesday night. Wheeler was dealing, allowing only one hit up until that point, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure it was just a one-hitter up until then. Gets the first two outs of the inning very easy. Then the Braves got five straight on base. That was rare because the Braves only did that five times in the regular season of 162 games that they got five straight runners on base. Started with the scare. Ronald Acuna got dinged in the arm, lost a lot of feeling in that arm. Was able to tough it out. He ran the bases. The inning extended with uh, an Olsen hit that Reese Hoskin possibly could have had, and the Travis Darno single up the middle that really got it opened at three nothing. And while that was happening, Coach uh, Coach Manager Brian Snicker said he was able to get in the uh, the bullpen area, uh, the batting cage area, excuse me, really warm up his arm, and he was able to get back out there, which was huge. But yeah, the Braves absolutely saved their season in the sixth inning on Wednesday night. Um, I just I just can't say enough about Kyle Wright. The bottom of this lineup has done its job. Uh, the top last night, Dansby Swanson's not looking good, but he's getting the hits when you need them. So, uh, hats off to this team. They were able to tie it up. Look, Brian Snicker has not yet named his starter for Game 3. TC, I'll say right now, I hope it's Spencer Strider. I hope he's healthy enough because he has dominated the Phils this season. 4-0 and and three starts and a relief appearance. It's a best of three from here. The Braves hold the home field.
2: It is a best of three, and this to me is the game that Philadelphia has to win with Aaron Nolan. Nolan, excuse me, Aaron Nolan, their ace going. They have got to win this game, and if they do, then the worst that can happen to them is you get a fifth game in Atlanta. This is a game where Philadelphia has got to win. We'll see if Strider pitches or not. Gosh, with that oblique injury, it's it's like a back injury. If you even slightly, slightly tweak it you're done and you're set back even more than you were at first. So Atlanta's gotta be extremely careful. It'll be up to the doctors whether to let you know to let him go. The good sign was they did put him on the roster. So they do expect him to pitch during this series. The million dollar question is when? We don't know. But game three to me says it all. If Philadelphia loses with their gun Nola, they're done. They're done. They're not gonna they're not gonna win the series. They have got to get three. And that in that environment in Philadelphia, it'll be dog nuts. They haven't had a playoff game there since eleven. It'll be like old Yankee Stadium Electric. The Philly fans will be flying all over the place and they'll be dog nuts and the braves guys in the bullpen better look out. They'll have security down there because them fans are gonna lose their mind.
0: Yeah, speaking of doctors and uh, team doctors, unfortunately, other Braves news and notes real quick. Relief pitcher Tyler Matzik will undergo Tommy John surgery, was feeling discomfort at the end of the regular season, and unfortunately, he will not be part of this postseason effort. He was a key member last year in that Braves World Series run, 13 postseason appearances, uh, only allowing three runs. This year, a lot less effective, a lot less velocity, ERA over four, four point seven six to be exact. Game three, Friday afternoon, four thirty-seven p.m. in good old Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia, PA, as the Yuns say. Right, Yuns, Yens? What is
2: it? Yuns and Yuns. Yuns would be the West. Um, Yuns would be the East. Yuns would be on the East.
0: Yes. And Wayne, you had a thought on the Atlanta Braves NLDS series before we move around to Major League Baseball Divisional series.
1: Well, I I really thought that the Phillies were going to be a lot easier team than this, but uh, they really stepped up for this uh, series of games, and we'll see what happens. I I was more anxious when they were playing St. Louis because I did not want Atlanta to have to play St. Louis, but, you know, it turns out the Phillies are a pretty good team.
2: I mean, they held him in check a little bit yesterday, but uh, man, if this guy gets going in that bandbox in Philadelphia, because it is a bandbox, it is a small ballpark. Uh, the pitchers better keep the ball down because if not; it's it, it'll leave even in the cold air. It'll leave.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a huge matchup for Game Three. Again, you mentioned Aaron Nola. Braves have yet to name a starter. We will see what happens. There, let's go around Major League Baseball real quick. We'll highlight the series and then we'll get into our pick six. Uh, other other worlds in the uh, other words in the NLDS, you have the Dodgers tied with the Padres. Dodgers Dodgers won game one 5-3. Padres even it up with a 5-3 win for themselves on Wednesday night. Game three is Friday, prime time, 8:37 p.m. in Petco Park at San Diego. Uh, the ALDS, Yankees won nothing over the Guardians. Still can't get over saying that. Uh, Yankees won game one 4-1, to one. game two 7-37 Eastern Time, Thursday on TBS and elsewhere. The Astros are one nothing winners, leaders over the Mariners. Houston wins game 1-8-7 with a walk-off come from behind win. They were down 4 nothing at one point. Game two is 8 Thursday afternoon, 3.37 p.m. today on TBS. Uh, Wayne, TC, any final thoughts on the rest of the MLB postseason?
2: Well, if I, if I can say, you know, not only will Game 3 determine who, who Atlanta's going to pitch. I mean, in, Game 3 is undecided. It will determine who they're going to pitch in Game 4 because the matchups are undecided in Game 4. So this Game 3, like I said earlier, Tells the tale, and towards the, in terms of Cleveland and Atlanta, what a matchup. Beaver versus Cortez, and then you in, in in Seattle and Houston. Seattle blew game one. That to me is a devastating loss. They've got to come back from that. The Astros had a miracle in the ninth inning. They're throwing their guy Castillo versus uh, Houston's guy Valdez. I like Seattle to tie up that series, and I actually like. Cleveland to tie up the series against the Yanks in terms of the San Diego Dodgers series. uh, This, to me, is another telltale. Game three. Goslin, who did really well to start the season, slowed down a little bit in the second half against Blake Snell. Which Blake Snell are you going to get for San Diego? The Padres finally got over that hump to beat the Dodgers. What the Padres won, what, 89 wins this season. The Dodgers remarkably 111. This is what this new playoff format has done. It's given teams that won way less games during the regular season a, 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 a good shot to upset somebody, especially in a best of three or five. I'm not a fan of them, but that's the way it is. I mean, holy cow. I mean, anything can happen. Any one of these teams, these Chances the best if they win game three. If they don't, we're coming back to five games
0: here in Atlanta. It's a great final thought. I absolutely love the Mariners uh, to win game two as well, even it up. They're a sneaky, good ball club. That wraps us up for Major League Baseball. It's getting into the one, the only pick six. Six games, five college, one pro this week, picked with Monday spreads last week Wayne took the cake great week probably your best week ever since we've done this five0 and one TC at above 500 week at three two and one uh, and I was oh five and one folks I did not have a win last week so uh the standings now have Wayne in first place at 1915 and two TC's dead even at 17 17 and two and I'm coming in the rear at 16, 18, and 2. Let's get to the pick 6. Again, 5 college, 1 pro. We'll start off in Ann Arbor. We're number 10 Penn State. The Nittany Lions at 5-0. Travel to the number 5 Michigan Wolverines at 6-0. Michigan, 7-point favorites at home. Over under, and this one's 52. It's 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Fox. Wayne, TC, myself, let's go.
1: All right, well, I'm going to go 1st on this and I'm picking Michigan to cover because uh, there's no way they're going to lose this game uh, to Penn State. Uh, I, I can't see it happening at home in the big house and this is a pivotal game. You know, you said it's separation Saturday and uh, this will definitely separate those 2 teams.
2: here went 5-0-1 last week. That would be Wayne's. We'll call him Hans Gruber here because what did he say in the movie Die Hard? Cheers, Theo. Miracles do happen. Wayne had a miracle hit last week at 5-0-1. Congratulations to you, my friend. But uh, no, 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 no. No more miracles this week. Uh, you know, I know Michigan and Penn State, the home team, has done really well in the series. Last year, Michigan flipped the script. to win at Penn State... But nope, Yens is going to cover this week. Jens, Jens, however the heck you want to say it, I've got Jens to cover. And Hans Gruber and his miracle over there sitting in Memphis is going to lose that pick.
0: Uh, Penn State's coming off a bye week. Penn State has done a wonderful job at stopping the run, holding the opponents to under 80 yards, rushing a game. But dive deeper into that. Purdue throws the ball a ton. Ohio does as well. Auburn's rushing attack has been less stellar than we thought it was going to be with Tank's big Tank Bigsby. I think running back Blake Corum gets it going. He gets the offense going, too, opening up the pass lanes for J.J. McCarthy, who has been throwing super accurately the last two weeks, around 76% completion rate there the last two games. Again, Michigan has a top-five defense, coming in at fifth overall with just over 11 points per game average. And a top 15 offense. They're 13th with 43 points per game. Give me the Wolverines to cover at home. I like Blake Corum. Uh, so we're all uh, we're all in agreement, a, a sir. Wayne, you said Michigan at home too, right? Yeah, I said Michigan to get Michigan to cover.
2: Yes, yeah, I take Michigan along with you, and I I went with Yuns.
0: I'm just making sure I got it right. And we're going to the third Saturday in October rivalry. Number three, Alabama, 6-0, and rolls into Neyland Stadium. Rocky Top, Tennessee, to take on number six. Tennessee Volunteers at 5-0. and Alabama's a seven-and-a-half point favorite, that dadgum hook. I hate it. Over-under in this one, 65 and a hook as well. This one's the three thirty 30 CBSer game. I'll start this one off with, again, the third Saturday in October. It's actually on the third Saturday in October this month, which is pretty cool. Look, Alabama's won 15 straight in this series. I think the pressure is on the Tennessee volunteers. They feel it. Alabama's got 15 years of house money. Both teams are fast starters. Tennessee has outscored opponents 54 to 10 in the first quarter. Alabama's trumped that 83 to six. So whichever team gets going first, I think wins. And Bryce Young has been practicing this week. I think that's the difference in the game. Also, Tennessee's had an off-field distraction with the safety, uh, possibly missing this weekend's game with an altercation over the weekend last weekend. And look, Jameer Gibbs transferred from Georgia Tech's an absolute beast. Bama runs the ball well enough to keep UT's quick-scoring offense off the field. Bama averages over 250 a game. Look, I think Bama makes it 16 in a row by about a 9 or a 10-point win, and that is that. Uh, Wayne, TC, you guys go.
1: Well, uh, i got to tell you, I'm going to go ahead and take the Tennessee Volunteers and the points on this one. Uh, (laughs) The odds makers have made this a really close game by doing seven and a half because normally Alabama is favored by double digits. Not so much on this one. I see uh, Tennessee taking this one at home, so I'm taking Tennessee and the points.
2: I'll give you the shocker. Big Orange wins it outright. Alabama's been fortunate they haven't lost two games this year. If Tennessee breaks the streak, I'll take Tennessee in the points, and he'll straight up get it done because you want to talk about a Heisman Trophy candidate, give me Hooker, that quarterback for Tennessee. I like Tennessee Tuxedo.
0: Number eight, Oklahoma State, 5-0 and at number 13, TCU, also 5-0, and TCU's three-and-a-half-point favorites, over-under in this one's 68 and a 3.30 p.m. on ABC. I'll start this one off again, why not? Both these teams can throw the ball and score, as both teams are top five in offense, scoring over 45 points a game, so this should be a fun game to watch. But I like quarterback Spencer Strider. He's one of the best in the country. He's eighth in FBS and points responsible for right now. The difference, TCU's pass defense is suspect giving uh, giving up over 13 yards per pass play. Give me the mullet. Give me Spencer Strider. Oklahoma State and the points, baby.
2: JJ, is it me or the name Spencer Strider has come up earlier in the show? Let me think about that. Um, um, Yes, it has. Uh, I say, did I say Spencer
0: Strider? I meant Spencer Sanders. I was Brandy gonna fans say uh, you
2: mentioned it, so I was gonna know. I know it's Spencer Sanders. I'm just screwing with you because I can't. <laughs> yes. I like I like I like Oklahoma to throw the ball against that TCU defense. I don't need the points. I'm a man. I'm forty. Oklahoma State wins.
1: Mm-hmm. When, yeah, when well. you buddy. Well, this is a, a game of pretenders and contenders, uh, and I've already mentioned it in the uh, first segment there, and I'm taking uh, the Cowboys and the points, and I'm not even sure they're going to need the points because uh, this is this is the beginning of the TCU downslide.
0: I like it. I like it. I like it. We're all on the same page with the mullet and the Cowboys. Let's go to our fourth game of the weekend uh, college-wise number 15 nc state five and one at number 18 syracuse five and zero. Oh. still hard to believe that syracuse is a three and a half point favorite over under and this one is low 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 at 44 3 30 p.m on the acc network it's been nearly 25 years since two ranked teams met in central new york let's go tc wayne myself are you gonna make me go first okay I am. Of low 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 what's that movie with a low low low
2: loco discount that's um demi moore was in it though oh um uh, oh, about last night oh yeah well you know what syracuse is going to be about last week because they're going to get beat this week at home give me nc state and when i look at syracuse's schedule as you know yes they're 5-0 and they are and you know what that's a good story they did peep purdue they squeaked by against virginia uh, they're not beating NC State. The schedule hasn't been strong. NC State has played a tougher schedule this year. I like NC State outright to win it in the dome up in Syracuse. There you go. Right. The low, low discount score.
1: Well, I'm I'm as well taking uh, North Carolina State uh, in the points on this one because. Uh, like like TC said, Syracuse has not been tested yet, uh, and North Carolina State is going to be playing to win, whereas Syracuse will be playing not to lose, and I think that's going to be their problem. And North Carolina State's going to win that. Uh, hey you. JJ,
2: that wasn't low low. That was a Lick Code discount. My fault, buddy. On those movies, uh, I'm quoting movies this week, man. You know, I'm doing my thing with uh, movies. How about that? Great great sports analogy. Movies. And sports, a lot of deep
0: research here, huh? A lot of deep research. Look, I like NC State. No, I'm just kidding. NC State's quarterback, Devin Leary, was banged up last week versus Florida State and his questionable backup quarterback on the road in a dome-loud environment where Syracuse hasn't been before. Fans are piling up. I'm going with Syracuse and Dino Babers, baby. Look. Here's why I like Syracuse and their defense to hold NC State off. At home, the Orangemen have a top-10 defense holding opponents to 14 points a game. Give me the Orangemen. Our final college game of the day, number 7, USC, 6-0. At number 20, Utah, 4-2. Utah's home favorites at 3.5 points, over-under, and this one's pretty high, 65 points. 8 o'clock p.m. on Fox I'll tee this one off for the last one. Kyle Winningham won't drop two in a row, especially in Salt Lake City. Utah's offense will move the ball on Southern Cal. USC has given up over 350 yards per game on defense. Utah can run and pass. I think Cam Rising takes care of the football this time. Doesn't have a costly turnover like he did early in the UCLA game. i like Utah to cover at home. JJ, you
2: know what? Can I go back to the NC State game for two seconds, Jack no, Chambers? You,
0: you didn't. Uh, you didn't do your research. You didn't know the quarterback was yeah, hurt. Yeah,
2: I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I did my movies and research. I'm just,
0: just teasing. Did, I'm just teasing.
2: Oh, well, I know. I know you are. I did my movies and research. But I'll tell you what, Jack Chambers. You don't have to look at his stat line. Even they only accepted one He's pass. Good. Charleston at, at Southern. State fell complete The grad transfer. Carolina this kid finished third in the FCS last season and completion percentage at
0: You got
1: well utah is ready to bounce back i'm taking utah uh to cover on this one because i think this is their bounce back game to get back on track
0: i don't disagree with you as i did the same thing again i just think it's to me it's kyle winningham's a hall of fame type coach um, been one of the longest tenured coaches in the country i think that is the difference in the game let's go to our lone nfl game we talked about it earlier The 49ers come across the country at 3-2 and and play in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, where the Falcons are 2-3. San Francisco's a minus 5.5-point favorite, over-under, and that one's 43-and-a-hook. 1 p.m. on Fox. The Falcons are 5-0 against the spread this season. Why would I take anybody else? Falcons in the points. Yeah,
1: well, uh, no surprise here. I'm taking the Falcons in the points, and... uh... I have never liked a San Francisco 49 ers so this is an easy one for me.
0: You
2: can't base it off your heart. I know you've been 5-0 with the picks, and you homers have done really well. And, yes, I'm 0-5 because I haven't picked the Falcons all season long. So what do you think I'm going to do here? Think real hard. You know what? When you look at the 49ers games, they're all really, really close. They just are. What are, what, what's their record? Three and two. What, their point-plus differentials? 47. They're coming into Atlanta, who really plays real hard. A tough football team, way tougher than a year ago. I think the 49ers win, but I think the Falcons cover and lose a heartbreaker on a field goal. So, it's a cover week for me, guys. Did you notice it? Everybody covers this week. And I go 6-0, and y'all can praise me next points. week.
0: So it's but called now, going with the underdogs. You went with the yeah, points, yeah, the Yeah, I, I meant. I cover the point. I, I,
2: I, my analogy was I'm taking all the underdogs. They're going to prevent your team from covering. So I guess it's a non-cover week. I'm so sorry. I'll say that again. It's yeah, a non-cover just take,
0: next week. You just say that that's it's just, an underdog week. You're taking all the underdogs.
2: Right, and guess what? Next week, y'all are going to praise me like you praised Hans Gruber over here.
0: We will. Well, that wraps our show up, everybody. Uh, Final thoughts for the evening. I mentioned it earlier. It's separation Saturday. Five rank versus rank matchups in college football this weekend. Enjoy.
1: Yeah. Well, my final thoughts are while we were having the show, I got an email saying that my University of Memphis Tiger basketball season tickets are ready for download and I'm looking forward to this season they start the season at Vanderbilt which is one of five SEC teams that the Memphis Tigers will be playing this year and so it should be an exciting season
2: and you know what my thought is Memphis is a basketball school just like Kentucky is number two the college game is way better than the pro game we stated earlier about the ridiculous roughing the passer penalties. I would rather watch college football every day of the week, and that includes twice on Sunday. Guys, have a great week. I've got a press conference with the uh, Lane head football coach coming up. I'm going to broadcast Lane and Miles from Miles, Alabama, the SIAC game, one of the games of the week on ESPN+. Plus this saturday and everyone want to go ahead and catch the call dwayne walker will have the play by play and i'll do color commentary this week and i'll uh, talk to everybody next week
0: yep for tc and east atlanta for myself well, excuse me north atlanta myself over here in east atlanta and wayne and memphis tennessee get you one folks we'll see you next week